Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We're glad you're here today. Welcome to Wildwood. We want to invite you now to take out your Bibles and turn in them in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, which is a little bit to the right of the middle of your Bible. You don't have a Bible with you. There should be one under a chair in front of you, and you can take that Bible and turn to page 492, and you would be at Isaiah chapter 9. You know, the birth of a child is a very special thing, and my wife Janet and I had that privilege four different times. And it used to be, back in the old days, uh, if you had a child, you would go to a store like a Walmart, and they would have these little postcard-sized cards. Some of them were in blue, and some of them were in pink, and you'd buy those. And this is the way that you would give a birth announcement out. You would just fill in the name on the blank and the weight and so forth and the day of the birth, the name of the child. You know, today that's changed because birth announcements are more likely to come by way of Twitter or Facebook. But um, also what's interesting today is we have graphics programs, and they allow people to be more creative. And I, I found a couple of very creative birth announcements I want to show you. The first one takes advantage of the child nursery rhyme, you know, hey, diddle, diddle, the cat and the fiddle. This one says, hey, diddle, diddle, I'm cute and I'm little. And you see the cow jumping over the moon and the cat and the fiddle and the dish that ran away with the spoon on there. Of course, you have all the pertinent information about the newborn girl here, Kimberly. And then I found this other very creative and unique birth announcement. Uh, this is basically a driver's license. Um, Tyler Lee is the boy that was born, and it says issued, you know, at a certain time there, 515, sex, height, weight. And then, of course, you have the address, and I really like the bottom part of that, designated drivers. Larry and Patricia Williams, that's mom and dad. And then, of course, he has a big brother, Jake, so he's listed as backseat driver there. And so people have come up with a lot of unique birth announcements. And by the way, if you are aware of any creative, unique ones that you have seen, uh, would you send me an email or, or contact me on the city? Uh, I'd like to see those this week. So if you're aware of some other unique birth announcements, let me know about them. But those are very unique and very unusual. But we are coming today to the world's most unique birth announcement ever. And we see that birth announcement in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9 and verse 6. And I would like to read that and invite you to follow along as I am reading. It says this, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, we have called this the most unique birth announcement ever, and it could be called that for two different reasons. Number one, it was written as a birth announcement over seven centuries before this baby was born. And then another reason why it is perhaps the most unique birth announcement ever is this person is actually 
given four sets of names. Very unusual. And names are important, aren't they? Some of us growing up, no doubt you might have gone through a phase when you wish you had another name. You didn't really like the name that you had been given. I know I went through that period in my life uh, when I grew up, and my name is Bruce, and you can't really shorten it down. You can't really make a nickname out of it. For example, my son's name is Kyle, and you could call him Kai, which I do a lot. So when I was growing up, I said, I wish I could just shorten my name down. And way back in those days, there was a television program called Father Knows Best. Those of you who are older will remember that. And the son on Father Knows Best had the name of Bud. So I went through a phase in my life when I wanted people to call me Bud. Fortunately, I grew out of that phase, but I was there for a while. But names are important, and names can make a difference. They really can. There was one study done of 15,000 juvenile delinquents, and here's what they found, that those juvenile delinquents who had odd or embarrassing names were four times more likely to be in trouble, got in four times as much trouble than those who did not have odd or embarrassing names. Names are important, and names can make a difference. And these names that we have in this birth announcement in Isaiah chapter 9 are important because God gave them to this baby. And they make a difference because they tell us about Jesus. They tell us about Him. They tell us about His character. And so as we approach the Christmas holiday, I think it is appropriate that we would take some time to carefully ponder the most unique birth announcement ever. And as we do this, it's going to give us perhaps some new insights into His person, insights that can be exciting. And it can allow us to refresh our perspective about the person of Jesus, the one who appeared some 2,000 years ago. So here's our plan as we begin to look at the most unique birth announcement ever. We're going to basically do today three things. Number one, we're going to look at the background of the announcement. Secondly, we're going to look at the birth announcement itself. And then thirdly, we're going to look at some key questions as we look at points one and two that come out of that examination. So we're going to look at the background, the birth announcement, and then some key questions. So let's begin by looking at the background of this birth announcement. The book of Isaiah, which of course contains this unique birth announcement, was written to the southern kingdom of Judah. And when it is written, it is written in a time in which the southern kingdom of Judah was having some of its darkest history ever. We learn from Isaiah chapter 7 that Ahaz was king in Judah at this time. And Ahaz was not a good king. Ahaz had introduced to the culture the worship of Baal or Baal. And the worship of Baal included things like ritual prostitution in the spiritual worship. It included things like child sacrifice. During the time of Ahaz the king, he also introduced to them the worship of Moloch. 
And the key distinctive of the worship of Moloch is that parents would sacrifice their own children by throwing them into a raging fire. You see, when this birth announcement came, that was the kind of environment that existed. During the reign of King Ahaz in Judah, it was a period of incredible uncertainty. There were military threats everywhere. During the reign of Ahaz, Judah was at war with the Arameans, the Edomites, the Philistines, Syria, and the northern kingdom of Israel. In fact, in one of their battles with the northern kingdom of Israel, Judah lost 120,000 of their best soldiers in one day. In the last decade in the United States of America, we've lost about 4,400 soldiers in Af- or rather Iraq, 4,400 in Iraq, and about 1,850 in Afghanistan. But in one day, Judah lost 120,000. We learn as we examine the book of Isaiah from chapter 5 that the people, the culture was in a state of moral peril. You can read through that. There was unbridled materialism in the land. There was decadent pleasure-seeking. There was shameless sinfulness. There was a distortion of morals. There was prideful arrogance. There were corrupt leaders. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Unbridled materialism, decadent pleasure-seeking, shameless sinfulness, a distortion of morals, prideful arrogance, corrupt leaders. See, we live in the very same kind of a culture. And it was in such a setting that Isaiah pens in chapter 9, verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. He says, the people who walk in darkness, and hopefully you have a feel for what that was like, will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. They were feeling a lot of oppression in their culture, and there was going to be deliverance coming. They were experiencing darkness, and there would be light on the way. And so with with all of that background, you see, what he's really saying here is that there is going to be some deliverance coming. It's going to come in the form of the birth of a child. And it is a deliverance that initially pertains to the kingdom of Judah, yes, indeed, but it's a deliverance that goes beyond that. The deliverance that this baby was going to bring, the light that it would bring, would extend out into the world. It would extend out to all individuals who have a relationship with this baby to come. And the deliverance that this baby was to bring would linger on into eternity. So as we said, we wanted to first today just look at the background of this birth announcement. It's very important that we have a feel for that. But the second thing we want to do is we want to examine more closely this birth announcement. So go back to verse 6 in Isaiah 9. And notice how the birth announcement starts. It says, for a a child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us. 
and the government will rest on his shoulders. In other words, the entire responsibility will rest on the shoulders of this baby. And I want you to notice in verse 6 there, in our English translation, these are future tenses. But in the original language, they are what's called prophetic perfects. They are, in essence, in a past tense. It's already in a past tense, even though it's a future event, because it wants to underscore this as being accomplished, being guaranteed. It will certainly happen. There's no doubt about it. A child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called, and we have four sets of names. His name will be called. And by the way, the name is a key part of the birth announcement, is it not? And you know, names in Scripture are very significant. You go back to the book of beginnings to a guy named Adam. Remember Adam and that God created Adam and Eve? And you might remember that Adam was created from the dust of the ground. You know what the name Adam means? It's even translated that sometimes when it's not talking about an individual. It means earth. His name means earth because that's what he was made from. He was made from the ground of the earth. You might remember the story of Abram and Sarah, and they were well past, way past the childbearing years. And you might remember God came to Abram and Sarah and said, you are going to have a son. You will give birth to a son. And how did they respond to that? What was their reaction to that? What was it? What did they do? You remember? Yeah, they laughed. And that son that was born was named Isaac. And what Isaac is is just the word for laughter, for laughter. So you see, names in Scripture are significant. And frequently, names in Scripture are descriptive of somebody's character. They are descriptive of the influence and the impact that someone would have on other people. In the book of Acts, there's a guy by the name of Joseph who appears on the scene, and he had been nicknamed by everyone else, and the nickname that he was given was the name Barnabas. And literally, Barnabas means son of encouragement. You see, that name that he was given was descriptive of his character. It was descriptive of the influence and the impact that he had on other people. You know, going back to Abram, which was his original name, but God renamed him Abraham. And Abraham means father of a multitude. See, he wasn't just going to father one son. He would ultimately, through all of his descendants, father a multitude. So frequently names are descriptive of character, descriptive of the influence and the impact we'll have on other people. And these names that we have for us here in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9 are indeed descriptive of the character of this baby that is to come, of the influence and impact that he would have on others. So let's 
begin to look at the names. And by the way, this week we're going to just begin to do this. We're going to look at it for the next couple of weeks. But let's look at verse 6 again. A child will be born to us. You can count on it. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. It will all be on him. And his name will be called, here comes the first name, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. You know, people today are confused. People today are discouraged. People today are frustrated. They are fearful. And much of the time, they don't really know what to do. And you know, the truth of the matter is that's not just people out there. That's true of us from time to time, right? We all go through those times when we're confused or we're discouraged or we're frustrated or fearful when we don't really know what to do. But there are people everywhere out there because that's true of us as a culture of humanity. And and part of the problem is in life, we spend a lot of time looking for answers. We ask questions as, what is life really about? What What is the significance of me being here on this planet? How can I find a sense of fulfillment? How can I know lasting joy in my life? How can I have a successful marriage? How can I raise children that can be difference makers? How do I deal with trials? How do I deal with the problems of life? And as people wrestle with those questions in their confusion and in their fear, where do they turn for help? You know, I think ever increasingly today, people turn actually to television. They're getting tips on the morning shows about marriages and parenting and how to live life. Uh, Some people are actually tuning in to things like The View and Before She Disappeared from the Scene to Oprah to get answers to things. Where do you turn for help? Many people say, well, we need to turn to the educational community because, you know, the educational community, they have answers to everything. And yet we have people in the educational community who are just as confused and discouraged. Some people turn to help at the local bar. Some people just hold to some help that somehow, some hope that somehow they would discover the help that they need within themselves. But you see, all of those things really are inadequate. What we see on television, what the educational community offers us, what the local bar provides us, even from what we can discover within, they're all inadequate. You see, God has a solution to the needs and the questions that we have in life. And The solution to the needs and questions we have is found in a person. It's found in this baby. It's found in the person of Jesus. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Literally in the original, it says this. His name will be called a wonder of a counselor. 
He is a wonderful counselor. He is a wonder of a counselor. He is beyond ordinary. He is extraordinary. He is exceptional. He is indescribably great. He is unique. There is no one like him. His name shall be Wonderful Counselor, a wonder of a counselor. What does that really mean? Well, at least in one sense, it means that this baby that was to be born, that was promised, is wiser than Muhammad. This baby is wiser than Confucius. This baby is wiser than the Dalai Lama. This baby is wiser than Freud. I know it sounds radical to think about it, but this baby is wiser than Oprah. This baby is wiser than Dr. Phil. He is a wonderful counselor, a wonder of a counselor. And the coolest thing of all is that he understands us, yes, and he cares for us. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 5, In verse 7, it says this, cast all your anxiety on him, on his shoulders, because he cares for you. You know, it's one thing to have somebody who is an incredible, wonderful counselor who can understand us, but isn't it even cooler that they care, that they really care? You see, the the coolest thing with this counselor, this wonderful counselor, is that there are no hourly charges. You don't have to wait for an appointment. I had someone call me this week who had a particular issue that they wanted some counseling on, very specialized thing. And they they called, they said, you know, we we found a counselor, we called the counselor, we really want to talk with someone through this right now, but they told us, well, it'll be 30 days before we can meet with you. That's not true of this wonderful counselor, this wonder of a counselor. You don't have to wait for an appointment at all. What it means, because he is a wonderful counselor, is he is available to anyone and to everyone. You see, he's someone that we can turn to when we're confused, when we are fearful, when we don't know what to do. And and what's amazing about this wonderful counselor, the one who's a wonder of a counselor, is he has a direction for every dilemma that we face. He has a prescription for every problem. And amazingly, he will never lead you astray. You know, they're out there in the counseling world, a a lot of people who call themselves counselors, and some of them are effective counselors, and some of them are not very effective counselors, but even an effective counselor has the potential to, to possibly lead you astray, but not so this one, not this wonderful counselor, not this wonder of a counselor. He will never lead you astray, ever. In the book of Wisdom, the book of Proverbs, chapter 2 and verse 6, it says this, The Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Confused? Uncertain? Fearful? 
The wonderful counselor will give the wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, as we said, we were going to give a little bit of background to the birth announcement. We were going to begin to look at the the birth announcement itself and the names, and the first one we're looking at is Wonderful Counselor. But we also said today that we were going to look at some key questions as the third thing we're going to do. And here's key question number one. As we talk about Jesus, who would be called Wonderful Counselor, the key question number one is, do you know Him? You know, we live in a a community of 110,000 people. And I would suspicion that the great majority of those people are aware of this idea of Christmas. They have a general knowledge about the person of Jesus. But I do not believe that 110,000 people in our community here know Him. Oh, they may know some about Him, but they do not know Him. And when you do not know this one who is the wonderful counselor, you're just destined to stumble around in life, kind of stagger your way through life, because you don't really know the one who is called wonderful counselor. And a lot of times people are out there and they don't know him and they're unaware. They're unaware of their own sin. You know, and sin at its its base is just independence from God. And we have people, maybe some of us even here today, who are just unaware of their sin, that you're just living your life totally independent from God. What do you need God for? But we need to realize that there's sin that we're all guilty of having, and that sin puts a wedge between us and the one whose name is a wonderful counselor. So the first key question is, Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Very colorful preacher lived in Dallas, Texas, Baptist preacher by the name of S.M. Lockridge, Dr. Lockridge. And uh, he put together a whole series of messages around this idea of do you know Him? Do you know my king. In fact, you can go on YouTube, and he does a much better job of imitating himself than I could imitate him. He he did this message over and over again, so there's several different versions of it out there, but it's very moving. And I just want to read to you part of what Dr. Lockridge would say in this message. He said this, my king was born king. I wonder if you know him. Do you know my king? He is the miracle of the age. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. Do you know him? 
Well, my king is the king of knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. Do you know him? And I could add, he's a wonder of a counselor. Do you know him? And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I would like to know him. How do I know him? The Bible gives us the answer to that. In the Gospel of John, chapter number 1 and verse 12 It says this, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Now, I want you to look at that verse for just a moment. As many as received him, this baby, the wonder of a counselor, to them God gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. See, if we're going to come to know him, that means there's some things that we need to believe. There's some things we need to believe about us. We need to believe that we are lost because of our sin and rebellion before God. We need to believe that apart from Christ, we are under judgment before God. We need to believe some things about Jesus. We need to believe that he became a baby with the primary purpose in mind to die in my place and in yours. We need to believe that he, because of his death in our place, taking our penalty, offers to us forgiveness, that he offers us the opportunity to become a part of his family for eternity. You see, if you don't know him, there's some good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And he rose again. And what he says to you and to me is, I want you to trust in me. I want you to believe in me. I want you to trust in me to get forgiveness. I want you to trust and believe in me to have a personal relationship with the one who is a wonderful counselor. And so the first key question is, do you know him? You have an opportunity right now to come to know him. The second key question is for those who do know him, to those who are children of God, And that second question is, do you consult with him? I mean, think about it for just a moment. Let's just say there was someone that we actually knew in Norman, Oklahoma, and everybody said, this one is a wonder of a counselor. Everything that he has to say is right what you need. He meets every need that you have. He will never, ever lead you astray. 
What if there was such a person there, and we're having difficulty, we're confused, we don't know what to do, and we don't go and consult with him? You know, you would say, are you nuts? You know, get out of your chair and go over and consult with this one who's a wonderful counselor, wonder of a counselor. But what is so interesting is we can know the one whose name is Wonderful Counselor, and maybe we don't consult with him. You know, I, it is so easy for me, truthfully, to go through a good portion of a day and not really consult with him. I mean, it's easy to go several days. And I'm talking about really honestly consulting with him. I want you to just think about your last week. How often did you really consult with the one who is a wonderful counselor? Now, this is not some kind of a guilt trip. I'm just trying to point out how foolish we can be. How silly we can be. Do you consult with him? Do you consult his book? Do you consult his book? Or is this something that, you know, we just open on Sunday mornings? Psalm 119 is a great psalm. You ought to go read the whole thing. It'll take you a while to get through it. It's pretty long. But here's part of what Psalm 119 says about his book. It says, your commands are my constant guide. You know, could we really say that? Your decrees are my delight. They are my counselors. We need to consult with him. You know, this is a great time of year to get back into reading Scripture if you haven't been doing it for a while. And I might even suggest a great thing to do if you go, well, how do I get started? Well, take the Gospel of Matthew, which will take you all the way through the Christmas story. And just read your way through it. I was talking to one of our elders not too long ago who said, you know, I'm very much an auditory learner. And so he got some of the audio versions of the Bible. And he's been listening to those as he drives his vehicle around. He said, you know what, I've, I've interacted and consulted with more Scripture than I have. And I, I mean, compared to what I read, compared to what I'm able to listen to. So if that helps, do that. Do you consult with him? Do you consult his book? Do you consult with him in prayer? Do you converse with him in prayer? See, remember, this wonderful counselor, he is always available. No appointment is necessary. And the coolest thing of all is that he is ready, willing, and able to give us the counsel that we need. You know, isn't how, so much of this is upstairs in our heads, and yet it seems like it doesn't really percolate all the way down into how we're living our life. I want to share with you verses that are familiar with in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And they're on our slide, but I, I didn't construct the slide correctly, so you can't see all the words. 
but I want to read them to you. And I want you to, even, if, you, if necessary, close your eyes for a moment. And I, I just want you to listen to this in a fresh way. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Consult with Him. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. Then, see, this is what we want. We want to get to the second part before the first part happens. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart's in minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He is a wonderful counselor, a wonder of a counselor. Do you know him? Do you consult with him? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to sing a a closing song. It's a closing song that honors this child who is part of this birth announcement. It's a song that gives praise to him. And as they're coming and getting into position, I just want to lead us in a a word of prayer. Father, for those of us who are listening right now who do not know Jesus, may they realize the opportunity is there. The way has been opened. What we need to do is we need to look at who Christ is, what He came to accomplish, and how He wants us to believe in, to trust in His death, His resurrection. And He will offer to us freely forgiveness and new life, the opportunity to know personally the one who is a wonderful counselor. And Father, for those of us who know Him, may we just remember the importance of consulting with Him. To consult His book, to converse in prayer, and to know the peace that He came to provide for us. Thank you for this baby who is our God. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Greg, team. Well, thank you, Bud, for that message this morning. We can call you Bud, right? Is that okay? If you would please stand and join us as we worship our Prince of Peace.